Hey everybody, so we're back again for another video. Um, we're going to talk about some key concepts that are important to know when selling on Amazon. Um, you're going to find out that some of these concepts, there actually isn't very many of them that we're going to talk about today. Some of them are just kind of important to understand and not really... It's important to understand so when somebody talks about it, you know what it is, but you're not going to directly use some of these concepts. So... Let's get right back in. And actually, the first one that I'm referring to is the Amazon API. So basically, if for anybody that doesn't know what an API is, is a, think of an API as like a backdoor that Amazon has created to allow other software developers to access their systems and get information from. So if you're familiar and have been selling on Amazon, you'll realize that a lot of third-party tools, you scan an item and it'll bring you up a bunch of Amazon data for you. And they are not they are not producing that data. They are getting that data from Amazon and they're using that API to, to access that data. So basically you scan the item through their software, they send a message to Amazon and say, Hey Amazon, somebody's asking about this item. They provide credentials that you give the software to say, Hey, this is the user that's asking for it. Amazon says okay, and then gives the data up so that they can present it to you. So um, it's important, it's not so much important to understand what an API is and things like that, but there are some significant limitations within the Amazon API. And the biggest part of, biggest limitation of that is, um, is in the way it presents data when you're sourcing for products. So a common question that new sellers will realize is they'll scan an item. Let's just say they scan a book and most of these tools that people use to scan items to find profitable items to sell will show the top five lowest prices on Amazon. So you have an idea of what you could sell the product for. And what, what they'll do is they'll, they all also include a little button that will take you directly to Amazon so you can look at Amazon. And so they'll look at the top five prices on the application that they're using and then they'll click over to Amazon, see the top five prices and they'll differ and they'll be like, well, what the heck's going on? And the reason for that is, is because of the way Amazon sends the, the information to the API, they aren't actually showing you the lowest five prices. They're taking, they're basically taking the top 20 prices and they're looking for similarities between the different sellers and they're grouping them together. So let's just say that seller one, two, and three are very similar. Let's just say they're, they have a similar price on the item. They have a similar feedback. And so Amazon just says, well, they're pretty much the same seller. So we're going to group those two sellers together. So when you look at that application, the, thir the f first price is going to be displayed on the application, but the second price is not because it's grouped with the first price. So then you're gonna see the third price on Amazon is gonna show up in the application on the second price. And this is really hard to explain and it's, um, it, but it is something that throws people off and they think their applications aren't working, but it's just a weird way that Amazon presents that data. And depending on how you're sourcing, it's important for you to understand that that might not typically be the top 
five prices. Because let's just say you go into a store and you look at an item and you say, hey, the top price I'm not going to make any money on. But the second price I will make money on. Well, I'll just wait for the top price to sell, that one item to sell, and then I'll sell my item will be up at that higher price and I can sell it for a profit, which is good logic. But the problem is, is if you don't realize that, well, underneath that top price on the API, there could be six more items with a, the same price or slightly higher price. Now you have to wait for six items to sell instead of one item. So it's just really important for you to realize that to get the truest pricing data that you need, you have to go look at Amazon directly. And all the applications will have a little link that will automatically pop up that product page on Amazon so you can see what it actually looks like. And so it's kind of like you use the API data for a reference point, but you need to realize when the situations occur that you have to go look at Amazon directly to get the true picture of what the market looks like because the API can be deceiving. I know that's really confusing, but I hope everybody kind of follows that a little bit. Okay, so the next topic we're going to talk about is the best sellers rank. And now, the best sellers rank is if you're if you're if you do any sort of Google SEO stuff, this is a the equivalent of Amazon's page, or Google's page rank. This is Amazon's page rank basically. And what that what this number is, is they assign a number to every product that's listed on Amazon. And that number is supposed to kind of give you an idea of how well that product sells. There are eight, also a lot of limitations to this number. So to start with, it's important for people to understand that bestseller rank is not an overall number on Amazon or across all of Amazon. So there is not just one item that has a bestseller rank of one. Okay? It's broken out by product categories. So every so in a book category, there's a bestselling rank of one. In a music category, there's a bookseller rank of one. In the toy category, there's a bookseller rank of one. So what this means is that from product category to product category, rank can be deceivingly different. And what I mean by that is that, so in the book category, there's 33 million books on Amazon. Well, a 1 million sales rank book is actually not, it's not a fast selling book, but it will sell. It will without a doubt sell. And pretty much anything up to 2 million you can pretty much assume it's not going to sell fast, but it will sell at some point in time. Whereas, now let's flip over to the music category. The music category, there's only 30, there's only like 3 million CDs, I believe, or something like that. Don't quote me on these numbers because I'm totally pulling them out of my head. But because of that, when you hit 200,000 in sales rank, that's where it starts getting like a two. In my mind, a 200,000 sales rank on CD is the equivalent of a 2 million sales rank on books. And a big part of that is just because of just the vast amount of books there are. You know, there are more good selling books because there's just so many more good 
so many more books on Amazon. So, so when you're selling in a product category, you have to, you can't understand bestseller rank as an overall picture. You have to understand it within your, your particular product category. So if you're selling toys and then you switch over to home and garden, well, I promise you the sales rank, you know, you can't buy the same sales rank and expect the same result from toys over to toy, home and garden. You have to get an understanding of what the sales rank kind of looks like within that category. And it's a huge part of it is just based on how many items are in there. If the product category is way, it's got millions and millions of items, that rank is going to be hot, like that you should go up to can be higher. But if it's a lot less items and you go up to the same rank that has a ton of items, you're just going to be buying junk. So, and kind of as a reference point to get an understanding of this, if you Google Amazon bestseller rank, there are people that have put together a spreadsheet that kind of give you an idea that the, the, the spreadsheet will have how many total items are in that category. And then they kind of give you like the one, three and 5% of the items. And as long as you stay in that range, you're going to get items that will sell. Once you go above that, it's kind of gets into an area where, well, it might sell, it might not sell. So, so I, I recommend checking out one of those. And if you go to the Academy website, I'll have one post it for you to look at as well. But it's very important in this for this to understand the difference from category to category. And the other important thing is, is that there is bestseller rank, and then we're going to also talk about average bestseller rank in a moment. And it's important to understand that best, what bestseller rank is. I don't personally use it. I recommend everybody use average bestseller rank. Um, the average bestseller rank is not generated by Amazon. It's people taking Amazon's bestseller rank and generating their own rank. So it's important to understand that if you're looking one tool for average bestseller rank and then you immediately look at another tool at the average bestseller rank for an item, it might be different. And the reason for that is, is because the company that's providing that information to you has their own way of pulling that down and they might be doing it slightly different, which is going to cause the numbers to be different. But the big problem with bestseller rank is it's heavily, heavily driven by when a sale occurs. So let's just say we're going to take a book, and this book sells one time a year. So, and let's just say that you scan the book the day that it sells, but that it's only going to sell that once, one time this year. When that book sells, the bestseller rank on Amazon will shoot really, really low. Important to understand the lower the bestseller rank on Amazon, the better. But it's going to go way, way down because it just literally had a sale. But now it's not going to sell for another year. So what's going to happen is over the next month, month, two months, three months, it's just going to keep going up and keep going up, keep going up. So it might teeter around, let's just say, a 4 million sales rank the majority of the year. But the one time you scanned it was right after it sold. So it looked really, really good. It had like $100,000 sales or 100,000 sales rank. Well, that's extremely, extremely deceptive. 
So you might find that book and you might scan it and see 100,000 and think, oh my God, I got a really good book here. But you just happen to find a book that only sells once a year, but it sold the day that you decided to buy it. So what average bestseller rank is, is it'll take a span, let's say 30, 60, 90 days of Amazon bestseller ranks, and it will average them all together. And what its intention is to do is to give you a true idea of how well the item sells throughout the year rather than just selling, rather than just that snapshot of that moment, which is what Amazon gives you. So hindsight of it all, biggest thing with average bestseller rank is remember that it, it in my opinion, and there may be other gurus out there that tell you otherwise, but average bestseller rank is always the right way to go. That said, understand that it is not an Amazon-generated number. It's not going to be uniform across all applications because they might, they might some companies might pull it from Keepa, which is a very big company that that's their focus is basically calculating this rank. But other ones might not want to pay for Keepa's data, so they might generate it their own way. And it could be different across the board. You should find that it'll be very similar across the board, that it shouldn't have that big of an effect. But but again, th that problem with average bestseller rank usually goes away really quickly once you get into this business because you're not going to be using every product on the market. to do. You're probably going to have one sourcing tool. And so that sourcing tool is always going to have the same average bestsellers rank. It's not going to pull it from multiple sources. So, so there will, will really only be one average bestseller rank for you. So it's not a huge thing once you get into it, but it's important to understand the difference with the two of them. And... The final, the final one we're going to talk about in this video is the buy box. And the buy box is always a fun beast because um, the buy box is so important to getting a sale and helps your business so much. But it is something that I would forewarn you to don't go down a rabbit hole and try to master the buy box. Because it's an algorithm. It's an algorithm that constantly changes. You can't game it. And the best way to win at the buy box is just to learn how to source good products and the buy box will come organically. Amazon will give you the buy box as long as you're sourcing good products. Um, for anybody that doesn't know what the buy box is, is when you go to a product on Amazon, there is the main product page and there's always a button that says add to cart right there. Um, and if you look at that, if Amazon is carrying the product, generally they will have that box. It will show the Amazon product to to purchase in that box. But they do have a system that if it's a product that they don't carry, they look at all the sellers and they have this algorithm that picks what they portray as the best seller and they put him in that buy box. Um, it's... It, it's a very complex algorithm. It looks at a lot of things. So you're not always going to see the lowest price seller on there. Um, it seems that sellers that use the FBA program typically wind up in that box more often than non-FBA sellers. But it's just an algorithm. And it is an 
people will tell you they can game the algorithm, but I promise you, you game the algorithm and two weeks later, they'll change the algorithm and then you'll be back to square one. So it's just better to understand what it is. You want to win the buy box when you can, but do not try to make a passion out of figuring out the buy box because you'll just never figure it out. You're just going down a rabbit hole that's not worth going down. Um, so... And another important thing to understand with this buy box is, is if you're a brand new seller and you're first starting out selling on Amazon, there is a grace period where they just won't give you the buy box. And that's just because they want you to prove that you're a good seller before they start get pushing more sales to you. So I, the window of time that they... Don't allow you to have the buy box varies. So just understand it could be three months, could be six months, it, whatever. But eventually they will just initiate it and allow you to get the buy box. So if you're seeing they have charts on there that uh, on Amazon that tells you, hey, this is your buy box percentage. If you're like, why am I getting a zero buy percent buy box percentage? Don't worry about it. It'll change over time once you get going into the marketplace and they start granting you the buy box. So, um, give you a little preview on the next video. We're gonna go over what the upsides to selling on Amazon are, and and then uh, depending on how long it takes, we might go into the downsides. That might be a separate video. So, so but thank you everybody for tuning into this video, and we I will be back shortly with another video. Thanks.